0: Welcome to Old Walls House, it's your main man and host, Old Walls, back with you once again, episode 14 of Old Walls House, got a fun show coming your guys' way, before we get to that, you know where I'm going, everybody knows, you're sick of hearing it housekeeping. Please guys, rate, review, comment, subscribe, share, do whatever you can to, to help get the word out about the about the pod. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all of you guys. So again, thank you so much for, for listening. I appreciate the comeback week after week and, and listen to me ramble on. So again, thank you so much. Like I said, got a fun show here. Uh, Going to be talking about the Masters a lot, obviously. NCAA tournament finally finished up. Had some Some good fights this weekend. Full fight card on uh, Saturday, right from the start of the day on through. Got our flyers and passing thoughts as always. So please, if you can, share it. If you are enjoying the show, tell everybody about it. And again, thank you so much for, for all the support you guys have given me. As I say every week, I'm having a blast and I hope you guys are having some fun too. So let's get to it. The big topic this weekend, the Masters. And I love the Masters, guys. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite golf tournament. I mentioned before how if you got those people who complain about the Masters for the, you know, it's not on TV as much or any of that other dumb crap, get rid of them. Because the Masters is the best tournament. It's my favorite tournament. You know every hole on the course. You know certain guys are just going to play better there. And this was... A good Masters. It wasn't great. There were so many chances where it almost got great. We'll get to that, but I just love the Masters. And man, I was crushing pimento, cheese, and egg salad sandwiches all weekend in honor of it. So your winner for the fourth time in six events. And the fourth his fourth win since the Super Bowl. So just about just under two months. Scotty Scheffler wins by three. Should have been five. But, you know, he got a little whoopsie, a little whoopsie on the the finish. So uh, it was a fun term. Like I said, Scotty Scheffler is your winner. 69, 67, 71, 71. And the big thing to be said about Scotty here this whole weekend is every time he needed a shot, he came up with it. I mean, he holes out on three. He has a great shot into five on the approach shot, like you know, off a kind of a squirrely tee shot. So, just every time the guy needed to do something, he did it. And if he had to hit a wedge to two feet to make a par, he did it. So this guy's on a run, man, and you wonder, you wonder how long this run can last, because golf game, your golf game can leave you really quickly. And it, maybe it never comes back. Ask David Duvall about that. So, but I think you just got to embrace what Scotty Scheffler's doing right now and just jump on the, the wagon and have fun. So just a couple of little notes um, about Scotty Scheffler and his wins so far. So players to win four times in a PGA Tour season, including a major in a world golf championship event, Scotty Scheffler and the, they call it, you know, the 2021, 22 season. The other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight occurrences. Tiger Woods. Tiger did it in 08, 07, 06, 05, 02, 01, 2000, 1999. Nobody else has ever done that. World Golf uh championship events not um they don't date the whole way back. They're more of a newer thing. He uh so Scotty Scheffler, before he got ted scott on the bag so before these last nine starts he had 62 starts for eight and a half million dollars in earnings since ted scott nine starts 9.04 million in earnings crazy good good move by ted scott and i just read the article uh on Bubba watson and how he basically told ted scott you just got to go find something else man like i don't know if i'm gonna play you got to do this for 10 more years for your life why don't you go find somebody else I don't have, you know, I can't tell you what I'm doing. He has injury problems. So, so a really good good f- uh, set of events for Ted Scott there. The last PGA Tour player to win four times in six PGA Tour starts was Jason Day in 2015. And that uh, run of his also included his first major win, the PGA at Whistling Straits. So, that's something to take note of. Jason Day was beating the world down, and he's really non existent now. I know he's had some back issues. So, very very interesting another thing about scheffler to be said the saturday eight his play on saturday on the 18th hole he quick hooks one out into the uh the trees on the left they find the ball dottie we've got a golf ball and then he ropes one from like 240 just over the green and ends up making bogey that's a saver i mean he goes up he goes into the day uh 3 up instead of 2 up so that that's a lot there. And there was a funny thing that came out of a Saturday. He was wearing that vest all day, but he was taking it off for shots and then putting it back on. And uh, Charlie Clifford tweeted that if Scotty Scheffler hangs on tomorrow, this green jacket money ceremony could be absolutely treacherous. <laughs> and he did kind of, they, they grabbed a perfect screenshot of him like trying to shove his uh, left arm in and Hideki's holding it and he's just kind of missing it. So I just thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, so I think that – I mean, I don't know what else you want to say about Scotty Scheffler. The guy's great. He's just playing great golf right now. Like I said, just enjoy the run. I said this was a good Masters. It wasn't great. It had a couple chances where it was almost really good. Like Cam Smith comes out and goes bang, bang, birdies one and two. Then we go to three. They both hit shots left. Scheffler leaves it short. Cam leaves it short. I think if you look back in the day, that's Cam's biggest regret is probably leaving that approach shot into three short and then having the chip. And then he actually chips it too long and makes bogey. But, man, if he could go back and just hit that shot on the green, I think that makes a world of difference. But it was a one-shot lead, and then all of a sudden it was right back up the three. And, you know, Scotty's chip was probably going 10 feet by, but... Hey, you got it's just what happens. And I, this was a funny one. I listened to the No Laying Up podcast, and they were talking about the relief from the scoreboard. And that relief they got was temporary immovable objects. And one of the guys was like, man, you start talking temporary immovable objects at the Masters, he's like, hey, that scoreboard's always there. And I don't know if that's true. Right. I almost think they take the scoreboards down, but I could be wrong. But then his other point was like, what isn't movable at Augusta? Like, they just up and move trees whenever the fuck they feel like it. Like, everything at Augusta is movable, so, like, if you're behind that pine tree, can't you make a case that that's a temporary, a movable object? I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so, But, like I said, there are some other spots where this thing almost got to be really fun. Scotty bogies 10, but so does Cam. But then Cam comes right back. Cam Smith makes a hell of a birdie on eleven. On a hole that pretty much everybody just bailed out right on all week. And then he he's going for it on 12 and he dumps it in the water. Like you gotta go for it there, I think. I can't think I don't think you can just hit that one in the middle of the green. He got it back down to, I think it was three at the time again. And then all while this is happening, Rory's out there. You know, he makes the turn at 32, gets through 10, and you know. Makes Eagle at 13, and you're like, oh, is this going to happen? Is Rory going to get in there and post, like, nine and just get some pressure on? Alas, he couldn't. Thing a note here, though, wow. on Rory, and the double hole out on 18 was great. And, by the way, that's the only time on Sunday I stepped away from my TV. I was like, ah, this thing's out of reach. He, he peeled it out into the bunker and then of course he holds it out when I'm like up getting some food ready for dinner. Just incredible, but yeah, Rory, 64 with pars on two, the part the first par five and 15 where he had to kind of lay up and then wedge it on. So man, you wonder. And he missed kind of a short putt on nine, kind of a what if. I mean, he holds out on 18, so you know it always kind of the give and take there. But what's the deal with Rory gonna be like? Is he gonna win at the at Augusta? Is he gonna win another major? Like, does him being out of contention help him? And, you know, it just kind of frees him up and lets him swing it, swing loose? I mean, after basically he got himself into whatever can whatever bit of contention you want to say he was in after that eagle on 13, his next four t balls, you know, 14, 15, 16 is the par three, and then 17, 18 are all tuggy left. So I was like, man, is he getting contention? Just a little bit of freezing up. But it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. That's the I think that's the most fun thing about Augusta is you know somebody's going to go out and torch it out ahead of the leaders. It's like how far out in front of the leaders is someone going to torch it? Are you going to get the Anthony Kim making 10 birdies or whatever? Are you going to get Rory doing this? And I said in the group chat, there's a hell of a tournament going on for third place. And you could even say maybe even second place. But it was, like I said, fun tournament. Not the best Masters just because Scotty was playing so good and didn't really. He only made one bogey before 18, and that's on 10, which which can happen. So, it like I said, fun, but it was just almost there. Just a couple other things. My guy, Patrick Cantlay, I said it was his week. He was going to do something. He stinks. He shot, like, 79 on Saturday. 79 was tough conditions. Oh, the Sunday conditions that that Masters that was played on Sunday, versus that was especially played on Saturday and Friday and even Thursday a little bit, that's the Masters I like. I don't need to see him struggling at the Masters. I want to see the birdie paracious But, yeah, Cantlay stunk. The big cat, Tiger, he had a good Thursday, Friday. Looks like he ran out of gas on the weekend. Said he may, may play the PGA, but will be playing the British. So he made no mention of the U.S. Open yet. That's a couple months out. The PGA is next month at Southern Hills. He's won there. Uh, The the British – or sorry, the Open Championship is at uh, St. Andrews, where he's obviously won in spectacular fashion. So uh, a couple other guys up near the top. Morikawa, my other guy for fantasy golf this week. He had a great showing, great Sunday with Rory. Hell of some golf being played in that group. They shoot eight and five under. 67-64. They would have better balled it for 61. So Shane Lowry. Hell of a Sunday. Shot 69 with a triple on four. Uh, Will Zalatoris. A good showing. Corey Connors, the guy I told you to look out for. Also a good showing. And Sung J.M., he was the first-round leader. I just love the fact that Sung J.M. is... Asian Nick Place, Asian daddy. They look exactly alike if they were to swap them. If Nick Place was Asian, he is Sung J.M. If Sung J.M. was born in Bradford County, he is Nick Place. I love it so much. And the last thing I'm going to say about the Masters is some idiot, Luke Russert, Russert, Whatever. He's an idiot. He says, tweets, Sunday hot take from a 24 handicap. The US Open is much better TV viewing and vastly more interesting than the Masters. Each year, the Masters feels like a tired nostalgia festival. Course is too easy. The obsession, and he goes on in another tweet, the obsession men have with Augusta is odd too. Pebble Beach, Shinnecock, and Cypress are much nicer courses. Luke Russer, you are an idiot. Course is too easy. What? Like 9 10 guys finish under par? What? 24 handicap, you wouldn't break 200 there if you had to play it out from the tips. So just shut up. Just shut up. The Masters is the best viewing. I like the US Open too. But there is some that like there is some of a slog when the US Open turns into a par fest. Like it's cool once, like once or twice a year. But I want to see dudes hitting good shots. And, like, the problem with the U.S. Open is they have to, like, manufacture the golf course sometimes to, like, protect par. And par is a made-up number, so that's stupid. But, yeah, Luke go just go somewhere. Go watch soccer. You're probably a soccer fan, too. The course is too easy. Get out of here. I also had a friend uh, text us that he had a, a separate friend of another friend group. Say, I can't believe Cameron Smith hit it in the water in 12. I'd never hit it in the water. It's like, yeah, dipshit. you probably chunk it and it wouldn't even get to the water. God, I love, like, 30 handicapper golf takes about how they wouldn't do what some pro just did. Like, shut up, dude. I'm not even good at golf and I'd beat your ass by 25 shots. And you're going to start telling a pro what to do? Like, come on. Get out of here. So... Yeah, that wraps up the master stuff. So we'll be uh we'll be talking more golf this year, obviously. They're at uh Harbortown next week, I believe, and then the is coming up at uh, Southern Hills in Oklahoma, US Opens at uh, Brookline this year, and then the British Open once again, sorry, the Open Championship is at St. Andrews this year. So we'll we'll keep on the golf train and see how far Scotty Scheffler can uh can ride this train he's on.
1: So moving on. What's up, everybody? It's MJ here with another edition of 60 Seconds with MJ on Old Walls House. Wally, I know you talked about it last week, and you're going to talk about it this week on the pod, but the Masters, you know, one of the big majors of the sport, Um, I thought it was a great weekend. Um, Tough conditions to start, and everything kind of got rolling as the weekend. You know, it was kind of a one-horse race for a long, long time, never really in doubt. Um, The Tiger coming back was fun. Uh, the McIlroy and Murakawa, Murakawa uh, hole-outs were cool. Um, but I'm going to have a question for you. Are you a little disappointed on the lack of coverage of the Masters? I know it was a runaway. I know everything like that. But, you know, ESPN this morning, it was NBA playoffs and everything like that. So I'm just wondering, does it ever get to you, the lack of coverage, even at a big major like that? MJ gone. So I said I was moving
0: on from the Masters, but turns out my man MJ wanted to bring me back into it. And – yeah, to answer your question, man. Like, yeah, it does kind of bum me out a little bit. But I underst- I- I've unders—I just kind of grown to understand where golf is. Like, it's not for everybody. It- it's got this elitist, old, white dude with money kind of thing like to it. So, like, it's not going to draw to everybody. And I know that. I-, I would love to see it get more coverage. I love golf. I love the Masters, as I just babbled on about there previously. But I've I've kind of just come to accept it. Like, I know when Tiger is in it, it's going to get all the press. But nobody else really moves the needle like that to get golf up there. I mean, Jordan Spieth did a little bit, Phil, you know, a little bit. But, I mean, obviously no one comes close to doing it the way Tiger did. So, I just kind of understand, I guess. And, like, my, my sports interests in the last few years have moved away from you know, what would be considered the mainstream, like, other than, you know, football, I still love the NFL, obviously, but, like, I'm into UFC, I'm into boxing, I'm into golf, dabbling in some hockey this year, like, those just aren't the things that you're getting on ESPN, like, they're talking NFL, obviously, then they're talking, you know, NBA basketball, they're probably talking baseball, but, like, I've just kind of come to to accept it, almost, but, so, yes, I am disappointed, but, it's just kinda of, it's just kind of what it's become. And hey, one day maybe maybe the golf will get more love and maybe old Wall's house will become more mainstream and I'll be able to give it more love that way. So yeah, it does, but we've kind of learned to deal with it. So a game that took place just one week ago, but feels like a year ago, the NCAA championship game, my heels went down. The Kansas Jayhawks are your 2022 NCAA champs. It was a fun game at times for me. It was a not-so-fun game for most of the second half, but Kansas beats UNC. It was a game of runs, man. Kansas started hot. I think they got out like 11-4, 11-2. UNC got it back to like 12-11. It goes, you know, kind of trading buckets to 22-22. And then the Heels. The Heels doing what they have done. When I had a 20 to 6 run, or sorry, uh, a 16 to 0 run, the 26 runs coming later. A 16 to 0 run ended up taking a 40 to 25 lead at halftime. I was cautiously, cautiously optimistic at that point. And I knew I was in trouble when I got a text from my boss and he said they could really do it. And I was like, oh no, there it is. There's the bingo. Ba ding! And yeah, it happened. Kansas came out in the second half. They went on the 20-6 to run, and they just turned the D up. In In the words of some college roommates of mine, they started playing the fuck out of the D and just got, got right up in Carolina's grill. They were forcing them off the three-point line, making them take hard, contested baskets. And it, it almost seemed like UNC just, just ran out of gas. We talked about how they've been playing five guys, you know, dipping into the bench six and seven a little bit. I mean, Puff Johnson had a good good game, gave some good minutes, puking all over the floor because he got smoked in the gut apparently. But, yeah, they just – it looks like their legs weren't there, their shots weren't going. And that's just the way it goes sometimes, man. Like, basketball is a quirky game. Like, you can have 20 minutes and just kill you. And if the shots aren't falling, you can't get into you know into your sets and, and get in a rhythm – I mean, you saw it with Kansas. Kansas couldn't get it figured out in the first half on that 16-0 run just for, like, the last eight, ten minutes. And, you know, Carolina just never got it. Just a wild kind of ending. The dude steps out of bounds and gives Carolina a second chance. That's wild. Like, what are you doing? Stay away from the sideline, first of all, and then just especially don't step out of bounds. But Kansas, Kansas' second-half team, apparently. I mean, they had beat up Miami pretty good a couple weeks back and. In the second half of that game, they won a 47-15 to second half against them. So, the Kansas Jayhawks, I was shocked. That's just the fourth title Kansas has won. Kansas have been so dominant in the regular season that you just assume they would have won more and they've been a good, you know, program for so long. But, yeah, just their fourth title, which is kind of surprising. I mean, it's not like it's just. That puts them in, like, the top ten all time. But, yeah, and... As far as the heels go, because obviously I'm a North Carolina fan, this was a team, started the year, I had zero expectations, was barely watching any of their games. They get smoked against Duke the first time. But then something started clicking. They they had, I think going into the Duke game, they'd won eight of their last 10 or nine of their last 11. And then they, you know, roll Duke in Coach Case final game. Again, North Carolina beat Duke in Coach Case final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Just remember that. They play okay in the conference tournament. They run into a really hot Virginia Tech team. But then they get on this run, kind of like a magical Cinderella. I mean, not the it's weird calling North Carolina a Cinderella, but this like magical Cinderella type NCAA tournament run. And they just are lighting it up from the outside. And, you know they're they smoke Marquette. They're killing Baylor before they let Baylor back into that game. And then, you know, kind of the cherry on top of everything. They end Coach K's career. They beat Duke in the Final Four, the first time it's ever happened, and advanced to the NCAA Tournament game. So, as good of a season could go not winning the NCAA Tournament, I think this is kind of it for Carolina. Like, they're going to be a team that's remembered in Carolina history. And it was a fun season that back half of the season. They were fun to watch. We'll see what they can bring back and if they can re get it going again. I will say this. There was a lot of questions about Hubert Davis being the, the new coach. Everything I saw of him, especially in the NCAA tournament, makes me think this is a dude you'd want to play for. Like, it's always about the players with him. He's always talking about the players. It's just such a contrast from how, and granted, there's a big difference between him and Coach K in accomplishments, but it seems like just, it seemed like such a contrast from the way Coach K was going about this year to the way, you know, Hubert Davis was. And and that same token, such a contrast in the way Coach K retired versus the way Roy Williams retired. And again, there's a little bit of a difference in, you know, caliber of coaching there and accomplishments, but... It made me think, if man, if I was getting recruited by Hubert Davis, it'd be hard to say no to that guy. So, that's all for the uh, NCAA basketball. We're wrapped up till next year. We'll probably uh, probably won't talk about it much this calendar year. We'll probably touch on it when it kicks off, but I'm sure it'll get the conversations will get heated up uh, after the new year once we get in the conference play. So, that's all for the basketball. In the fight game world, we had a big weekend. Three kind of big boxing fights. A good UFC card. I didn't watch UFC. It just wasn't wasn't in the cards for me this weekend. The next UFC I will be watching, I would have to imagine. But this one wasn't. So let's just start with the one that started off in the morning. Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. The real people's champ of boxing, as I like to call him. He was on his comeback fight. I mean, I guess everybody's on a comeback fight in boxing anymore. Nobody fights more than once or twice a year. But uh, he'd been off since December of 2020. He was facing off against Ryota Murata. They tried to get this thing together multiple times over in Japan and just wasn't weren't able to get it done. A lot of it had to do with COVID restrictions. They had this scheduled for December, late December, and that was moved back. So they finally, it finally happens, and Triple G and Ryota Murata get in the ring. Middleweight unification fight. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. After about the first couple rounds, I was worried. I mean, triple—I do need to make known triple G is my favorite boxer out there today. He looked old after the first couple rounds. Murata was taking it to him. He looked strong. He was doing what people don't do to triple G. He was trying to walk him down and apply pressure to him. And through four rounds, I had it even on my scorecard, but it very easily could have been three-one Murata. And then in the fifth. Triple G started to look good, I mean, better. He was, you know, that jab started slinging out there, and he's got a hell of a left jab, just a real strong left jab that really sets up everything for him. And then in the sixth, he hit a smoking hard jab that really kind of rocked Murata back. And then he followed up with a straight right, right down the middle, knocked out Murata's mouthpiece, definitely, you know, shook Murata and it was a totally different fight from there. From that point, G was moving forward. He had him pinned on the ropes a couple times. Was really setting in the combinations. Doing that big overhand like chopping left that he does. Where he just smacks you right on the top of the skull coming down. And just started laying it on him. It looked like old Triple G. Not Triple G who's old. Just a half a step slower. It just didn't look like he had the same quickness and movement. But man... Those punches were still thudding and just really laying it into him. So, And then right in the ninth, Triple G hit a beautiful counter right, sent Mirada down, and then Mirada's corner threw in the towel. Great decision, I think, by the corner. It wasn't getting any better. They showed some videos of Triple G going to his locker room afterwards to return his belt to him, pretty customary thing. And Mirada didn't look like he was in the best shape. Looked like he really the beating had taken a toll on him. And, you know, that, that puts him in the same category as a lot of people who, who match up with Triple G. So, like I said, Triple G looked better in the second half. He looked old in the first couple rounds. Now, a couple of things to be said. He's been off for a year and 13 months, whatever, a year and, you know, 14, 16 months almost. So, some ring rust. He is older. He is actually old. He's 40 now. That's old for a boxer. Only the second guy to ever uh unify a division in boxing after 40. The other guy being Bernard Hopkins, who did it at 49, which is stupid. So, uh, but it did show it did give me some hope towards the end. So, all roads lead to uh Triple G Canelo 3 in September. That is I think I think the stipulation is still uh, Canelo needs to beat uh, Bivol in May here. I just, I don't think that fight ends well for Triple G. Hey, maybe he turns the clock back and these two guys really don't like each other and he can just just find something deep down in him and he's got just the game that gets Canelo a little off his game. But I think this one ends pretty badly for Triple i I'm not going to say he's going to get knocked out because the dude's never even been down there's only been a couple of times in his entire career where he's been hurt but i just think his game has gone downhill and Canelo's has gone up since they last fought and as much as it pains me i would I'm, i would favor Canelo pretty handily in that third fight but hey i hope Triple G you know proves me dead wrong turns back the clock and and in September takes it right to Canelo and and gets a and gets a win that he so much deserves because he beat Canelo in that first fight. I had him beat him in the second. I'm not going to argue with that fight going the other way. But but yeah, so All Roads lead to Triple G and uh, Canelo round three in September. Other fights we had Erickson Lubin and Sebastian Fundora. This was probably the most fun fight of the weekend, and that's just how I describe it. Like these two dudes were just throwing blows at each other. Remember, Sebastian Fundora is six foot six. In the 154-pound division. So you can imagine what that looks like if you've never seen the guy. And we had just all action fight. These guys were getting in the, the phone booth, as they say, and throwing bombs at each other. Trading shots all night. Lubin went down in the second. Fondora looked like he was gonna put him on, put it on him there. And then Lubin just kept fighting, just kept fighting, just kept fighting. And Maro Ranella, the announcer, made a funny comment. He goes, it's going to be death by 1,000 uppercuts for Lubin tonight because Fundora was really nailing an uppercut. It's just perfect for him. I mean, it just pretty much brings his arm up, and it went right into his chin. And seconds after that, Lubin knocked down Fundora. But Fundora battled back and just kept landing bombs after bombs. So two rounds later, after the ninth, Lubin's corner stopped it and Erickson Lubin's face was mangled. He had a, I they the word they used was hematoma like on the bridge like above the bridge of his nose between his two eyes. Looked like there was a fucking golf ball there. His other eyes were swelling shut. It was the right decision to stop that. It wasn't going to get any better for him. But just an absolute fun fight. These two dudes went to battle. It it was the best fight of the night. And the worst fight of the night was Ryan Garcia and Emmanuel to go. This was a, you know, like I said, another comeback fight in boxing. Ryan Garcia has been off since January of last year. He's had some mental health things, I believe is what he said. And he got an early knockdown against to go. And he kind of thought this was going to be one of those ones where he was going to get a quick knockout. I had said that. Oh, by the way, I had said Gennady Golovkin, stoppage between 8 and 10. Sprinkle that if you wanted to. So just, you know. Old Walsh looking out for you. And, uh, but, yeah, back to Garcia. So he gets the early knockdown. I thought it was going to be pretty much fundamental from there. But go was just running right from the opening bell. He was just moving around the ring, not interested in getting in a fight. If he could make it dirty and maybe muff up some cards, that was probably his game plan. It didn't work. It uh, It didn't work at all. So ugly fight. Ends up going the distance. The, the scores were 119, 108 twice, and 118, 109. I scored it 120, 108, or 120, 107, rather. Every round to Ryan Garcia, I don't know what round you could have seen that to go one, much less two. Never once in the fight did he outland him. Never once was he being a, the aggressor. He was running the entire fight, so... Maybe if you give one pity round to him, I get. But two rounds, like, that's pretty bad, I think. And I think you got to call out those cards that, like, get forgotten in a fight where it it doesn't matter anyway. But, like, a dude that gives two rounds to Emmanuel to go in that fight is the same type of person that gives, you know, seven rounds that is going to make the difference to someone who probably only won three rounds. So, that was a bad card. With Garcia, he's supposed to be one of the top guys at 135, you know, with the Tanks, the Cambosas, the Devin Haney's, the Lomachenko's. I mean, he better work on his game, though, man. Like, I wasn't super impressed. I've been more impressed with him in the past. And granted, it could be ring rust, but he landed only five jabs in the entire fight. Five of 205 thrown. Like, you can't just come in there winging power shots and expect to beat a real good contender. And hey, maybe because of who he was facing, that was he, he didn't care. He was just going to wing power shots all night. But five of 205 jabs, you can't do that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next. If he's going to, you know, get two, three fights this year, he could still easily get three fights, fight again in a couple months. It's not like that fight took a lot out of him. You know, training camp, plenty of time for that. You know, Cambosis and Devin Haney are going to be tied up for the remainder of this year. So he might as well get two or three other fights in. Tank's not going to fight him this year. Loma's not going to fight him this year. So. Get some good, stay busy fights in. Bring your name up. Get out there in the world. Do some interviews, something, and get popular. So, in the UFC, want to make it known. My brother, the worst picker of all time in UFC and fight sports in general, is now eight and one since we've been getting picks from him for the podcast. So he uh, he got three. He went three and one this week. He was five and zero oh last time. So he was right on Mackenzie Durham. Cosma uh, and Volkanovsky. He was wrong on Peter Yan. So Cosma, uh, first big win for him in his career. Gilbert Burns is a dude. Be interested to see what they have him lined up for next. I didn't watch these fights, I said. But the vibe I got from what I read, what I saw on Twitter, is that people were less than impressed with Cosma. Um, so take from that what you will. But I guess they're talking about Colby Covington next. And people, are, the people I've said have, have seen are like, well, I was a lot more in on him before I saw him fight Gilbert Burns. It might be a, just a little bit different level. So we'll see. Hopefully he gets some good fights going forward. Aljamain Sterling probably with the surprise of the night with a win over Peter Yan. The consensus kind of seemed to be that Jan was going to run through him like he was in their last fight when he hit him with the, the illegal knee when he was down, because he was kind of piecing him up before that. But yeah, he comes out and and shocks the world a little bit. I mean, as much as the uh, the defending champ can shock the world, but he really neutralized, again, from what I read and the highlights and things I saw, he really neutralized Jan by really shooting a lot, trying to take him down, trying to get ground control. I think in one round he shot 22 times just to kind of throw Jan off his game, so just uh just a, a good effort from him and he's the champ there's no dispute in that now so like i said the next ufc is going to be in a month ufc 274 this is a fun one i'm going to get this one or be a, it's somewhere that gets it well i'll be watching a couple of three really fun matchups on that for the uh for one championship we got charles oliveira and justin Gaethje. that's going to be a fun fight Rose Namajunas versus Carla Esparza. Thug Rose, always fun to see Thug Rose fight. And then two guys kind of at a crossroads, a crossroads fight. Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, both on a little bit of losing streaks here. Michael Chandler, never in an unexciting fight. Same with Tony Ferguson. So that should be a fun one. Be looking forward to it. That's a pack day. That's May 7th. Kentucky Derby's that day. UFC 274's that day. Canelo fights Bivol that night. Like that's a fun day. We're gonna definitely have somebody on to talk to us about the Kentucky Derby. So keep your eye out for that. So that wraps up all the uh, all the big news in the fight game this week. So now it's time for a Flyers update. Three games, one and two record, not getting too far away from keeping draft spots. Start of the week with a uh, a four to two loss to Columbus. Mixed in a four to one win over Columbus at Columbus. Little home uh, homecoming game for Cam Atkinson there, and then Saturday a five through loss to Anaheim. I was watching this one, didn't catch that earlier too. You know, work travel on the one, and then uh, after the Masters just wasn't wasn't watching anything else. But yeah, Saturday jump out two zero lead in the first, then get outscored five to one over the last two periods. You know, at this point. It's kind of just hurting my soul, man. I know there's not much left in the season for the Flyers trying to trying to grasp it all I can, and you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe it'll hurt my soul less to watch the hockey in the in the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs when the Flyers should start out there fi- finding ways to lose games. So yeah, the Flyers are really digging me deep, digging me deep, just ripping me apart as the as the season winds to an end. So. One and two week, just an absolute brutal loss on Saturday after getting out 2-0. So we'll, we'll be back next week to cover it. It's kind of a slow sports week. I'll have plenty of time to watch my Flyers. So maybe, maybe we can end the season strong or maybe we just keep, keep adding stock to those draft picks. The time is now for my passing thoughts. So I saw this in the aftermath of WrestleMania. If you for those of you who watched there was a in the Johnny Knoxville Sami Zayn match they pulled out the giant hand from Jackass and you know smacked Sami Zayn with it and again for those of you who remember the attitude era Mark Henry was in a storyline once with May Young where May Young gave birth to a hand and so Mark Henry took a picture of that and tweeted out I produce all I do all I do is produce generational talent. Hashtag WrestleMania. And I just thought that was really funny. Those of you who don't watch pro wrestling aren't gonna get that one bit. So I apologize for leading you guys down that road to start. But that was that was the first thing I saw. I think I saw it right after the pod was released last week. So that was a great one. I uh I also saw that a uh A Southwest Airlines passenger was arrested for jerking off, they said, four times during a flight. And, uh, well, they said masturbating, so I'm just going to assume it was jerking off. That sounds like a dude thing to do. And, uh, you know, sorry uh, to Alan, but I'm I'm assuming uh, Alan from The Hangover that it's just frowned upon. Apparently it's more than just frowned upon. And I also saw Mario Lopez was who tweeted it that I saw. And he said, apparently three times the limit for how many times you can jerk off on a Southwest flight before you're tossed off the flight. So, yeah, don't uh, don't be jerking off on planes, people. A couple of anniversaries of uh, albums released. So 25 years ago on April 8th, Third Eye Blind released their first album, Third Eye Blind. Now, that's my absolute favorite album ever, CD, whatever you want to call it. And I, I, I encourage anyone to go back and listen to it. The lead singer of Third Eye Blind is kind of a jackass. I don't think there's anybody left in the band from then ex- except for him. But, man, there's some bangers on there. Semi-chime kind of life. Jumper, how's it going to be? Then you know, They get into some of the deep cuts. Oh, Just an absolute great album. Go back. Listen to it, feel like a, uh, an angsty teenager again, <laughs> and uh, and just it just it, that album slaps, as they say nowadays. Wouldn't say that back in 1997 when it was released. But another album from another one of my favorite bands, Gutterflower from the Goo Goo Dolls, was released 20 years ago on April 9th. And I think this is a very underrated Goo Goo Dolls album. You know, you get all their boy named Goo. Uh, the album with Slide on it. Like, all those other albums get a lot of the love for Googa Goo Dolls. But I think this one is as good as any. Like I said, doesn't get all the love, but you got some great songs. Big Machine, Think About Me, Here Is Gone, What A Scene, Sympathy, uh, Tucked Away. So, just another good album. I, I really like those. are two of my favorite bands ever. So, was, I thought it was kind of funny to see that those both were, uh, were having some anniversaries on back-to-back days. In, a, uh, in another tweet I saw, somebody tweeted, and I don't even remember what it was, and I'm, I'm the words are a little different, but this is the gist of it. Men pick their favorite sports teams at age 11 and let them make them upset for the rest of their lives. That's so true. So true. For some reason, we decide we're fans of a team. Most of the time, like she said, 11, many times younger, I mean, I've been a Packers fan since 1997. I was a North Carolina fan, uh, probably in that general time frame. I was an Indians fan uh, as a kid, just, you know, I watched major league. And what have those teams done for me? North Carolina has been by far the best. In, In the time I've been a North Carolina fan, they've won a title in 2005, 2009, 2017. Been the title game this past year and again in 2016. But, I mean, losing the title game isn't super satisfying. The Packers have been brutal. The first time I ever became a fan of them was when Brett Favre won the Super Bowl that year. Since then, it's just been utter disappointment, heartbreak. I mean, I can just list them off for you. I mean, Favre throws the interception, the Seahawks thing. These past three years with Rodgers, like... Oh, the Indians, I mean the 2016, just rip your heart out losing to the Cubs. I they're not even the Indians anymore. They don't spend any money. I don't even know if I'm still a fan of them. The tweet hit me harder than I thought it was gonna hear it here. I thought I was through the pain of reading that tweet, but nope, I just relived it for you. Yeah. So so that happens. So we're gonna move on before I you don't know, feel like jumping off a cliff. Oh, another tweet. I got a couple other. There's like three tweets coming up that I saw. So, here's one. Apparently, there's this dude. Thor Benson is a, uh, I guess he's a writer for the Daily Beast. I don't even know what the Daily Beast is. I just hear it mentioned from time to time. But apparently, this dude tweeted out that he just ran into Andy No at a bar in New Orleans. And I politely told him he's a garbage person. So, Andy No is, like, this dude who covers Antifa but doesn't like Antifa, so Antifa doesn't like him. So they throw shit at him all the time. Like, they peg him with shit, and, like, he's been smoked in the back of the head with hard shit, and then they throw milkshakes at him. The dude's, like, 5'8", 170, like, a little Asian dude. And this Thor Benson seems like he thinks he's a fucking tough guy for going up to him and saying that he's a garbage person. And then, like, other people are tweeting at him, like, oh, you should have hit him. You should have clocked him. And he's, like... He just left. I think my comment made him nervous. Well, the catch is that Andy No tweeted out that he's like, yeah, he's just saying this to some random Asian guy in New Orleans. It wasn't me. And then he's like, oh, it would have been more convincing if I hadn't responded when when I called your name. It's like – so I'm missing the point here. So either A, Thor Benson thinks he's a tough guy because he's like verbally uh, harassing somebody at a bar. And, I mean, I don't know how big Thor Benson is, but, I mean, Andy knows a little guy, so chances are he's bigger. So you're verbally harassing some little dude at a bar that's just, even if it is this guy that you don't like, he's just there having a drink, probably. It may not even be him, so you're just randomly, you know, accosting some other little Asian guy. Like, are you supposed to, like, is that supposed to make you cool? And then, like, if it actually didn't happen, like... If that's what you came up with to, like, get clout? I mean, apparently it's working because I'm talking about the dumbass. But, like, and if and if it is real and he went after him because he's a little dude and he felt powerful over him, it's the same thing why Will Smith hit Chris Rock. Like, Will Smith doesn't hit The Rock. Thor Benson doesn't talk, go up and talk shit to someone who's 6'3", 260. Like, don't be a douchebag, man. Like, yeah, I get it. You don't like him. Leave him alone. He's just out in public. Leave him be. Loser. Like, hey, I don't like you, Thor Benson. If I see you out in public, I'm just going to be like, "Yeah, hey, this guy's a douchebag, and I'm going to walk the other way. If you are going to say something to somebody, at least be man enough to, like, find out if it's actually him. And then don't feel so proud that you made some dude uncomfortable that they had to leave a bar. Like, you're you're really cool, dude. Real cool. Okay. Uh, there was also a guy, Tom Nelson, who's apparently running for some sort of office in Wisconsin. And so Elon Musk recently paid $3 billion for some Twitter stock. And this dude wants Elon, Elon – sorry. Tom Nelson wants Elon Musk, instead of taking that $3 billion to buy Twitter stock, the $3 billion of his own money, he wants him to pay for roads and schools. Apparently he wants him to pay for roads and schools in Wisconsin. I don't know that Elon does anything in Wisconsin, you know, any business. I mean, he sells cars there, but it's not like he has like a factory or something there. And it's you know his money. Didn't he just pay something like eleven billion in taxes? And I saw someone said that in like the Twitter comments, like he just paid eleven billion in taxes, and they're like that only funds the federal government for like 12 hours. Well, maybe we should stop spending so much fucking money then. That 11 billion doesn't go as far as it used to. And maybe we should stop asking other people for their money to do our jobs. Just a thought. Just a thought. And I'm sure Tesla and the thousands of people they employ create a good, you know, they're making these electric cars for the you that you people all think are the future. So, yeah, stop asking for other people's money. Oh, you know who does ask for other people's money very well, apparently, is uh, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams ran for governor of Georgia. I think this is like 2018. You, like, have to disclose your net worth and stuff. And I don't know how they found this out. And this is a tweet. So, again, could be true, could be false. I tend to believe it's true, though. But her net worth was $109,000 when she ran and then eventually lost the governor race. Now she's worth $3.2 million. What? What? How does that happen? How do like, and I don't want this to just be like, she is a Democrat. I don't want this to be like a Democrat Republican thing. Like I lean right, obviously. Probably could have figured that out by now. But like, Republicans do this too. Like how do these politicians, Democrats and Republicans, just get filthy fucking rich when they're supposed to be making like hundred and. Fifty thousand dollars a year, like they go from making a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year to having net worths in the multiple multiple millions, hundred millions. Like the Nancy Pelosi, look up her net worth. Like something's wrong, and like this person isn't even in pot. Like it didn't even win. What's she been doing? That like how does she worth three point two million dollars? Why are we letting politicians get rich in this country? It's so stupid. They're supposed to be civil servants. Like, this isn't supposed to be some popularity contest that allows them to get rich while they bankrupt the fucking country because they don't give a shit about anybody they're supposed to represent. (sighs) So, yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about some more fun stuff. Some food. Some food. I've been just crushing egg salad and pimento cheese sandwiches all weekend. Probably not the best for your health. A lot of cream cheese and mayo mixed in there. But none of the masters, I had to do it. Just egg salad and pimento cheese on just plain ass white bread. Oh, goddamn, that's a good meal right there. I lo- Now, I love sandwiches. So I'm, I'm predisposed to like them, but that was great. The roommate makes a great pimento cheese spread. She's really perfected it. So, so props to the roommate. Also uh, had a... Pimento cheese breakfast burger up at a brewery, at Carbon 4 Brewery. was made by the Tailgate Foodie. Mmm, that was delicious as well. They really, the the pimento with the egg and the burger. Ah, so good. I love pimento cheese. I love the Masters, man. I love the Masters. Ooh. Traveling for work, I I stopped at a place in a small town in Kansas. And they had 10-ounce beer mugs, man. Just a 10-ounce beer mug, cool, chilled. That's the way to drink a beer. I don't know what it is or what I – thought. like that 10 ounces, it fits in your hand great. The beer is always cold when you drink it. It just feels like the right amount per, like, per drink. So 10-ounce beer mug I think is about the perfect way to go. Perfect way to go. Also food-wise, made a beef tenderloin. The roommate found a whole beef tenderloin on sale at Aldi. Aldi's a wild place, but she found this beef tenderloin on sale, $29, $29. I mean, those things can be like 70 bucks for the size of beef tenderloin we got. So I prepped it up. I did my research, prepped it up, tied it up, salted it, peppered it. Wow, he's on there. We got it ready. We put it in the fridge to let it dry out so we get a nice crust on it. Then we got it out of the fridge a couple hours before cooking to bring it to room temperature. A little olive oil and a little garlic butter that, that the roommate made up for it. Then we seared it. Seared, I ended up cutting them in half so i get them both going. Seared it on all sides. All sides. Got a nice good sear on the outside. Then we put it in the oven to cook. We covered it in that garlic herb butter to cook so it would melt right into it. Oh, it was delicious. Absolutely delicious. So, fuck you, Bill Gates. I had a nice piece of meat. I'm going to be having more of it this week, buddy. Take that. And now, some TV and movies I've been watching. Some people asked me about this, and I did a little question and answer thing on the Instagram. Got some questions about some TV and movies I've been watching, so couple of movies I watched this past week. I was doing some flying, so you know, perfect time for a movie. So I watched 21 Bridges. Uh, it's got Chadwick Bosman or Bozeman. I don't know how you say that. R.I.P. Good actor. Good actor he is. Taylor Kitsch. You may remember him as Riggins from Friday Night Lights. J.K. Simmons. That dude's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, Whiplash. I think he was in the, the Juno movie about the abortion shit. Uh, he's in a lot of, he's in like all of the Spider-Mans as the newspaper dude and this was just a good crime drama thriller action type movie and I love superhero movies I love sci-fi movies but it feels like all the movies lately have like been down that road and I just felt like watching this I was like oh this is just a good action thriller I mean I know it's not real but like about like a real person in a real place It's all set, possible spoilers coming up, I don't know, just heed my warnings for the next couple minutes here, possible spoilers, but like it's just set in New York City, it all happens in one night, you know, there's a twist, there's some corruption, we're talking about drugs, and cops, and and gangsters, and just, and it's just fun, like it wasn't too serious, it didn't take itself too serious, like it was a good popcorn movie, and like I just really enjoyed watching a movie like that. It's been a while since I'd seen a new movie that wasn't, like, part of a franchise, part of, you know, a superhero movie, a sci-fi. Like, it was just, a, like, a real-life movie. I mean, I've, again, obviously, not real life, as you'd see. And shit, maybe. Who knows? It could be. But it was just fun, man. I just really enjoyed it. Also watched, I saw, like, an hour and a half of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, back to uh, 21 Bridges. It was, like, an hour and 45 minutes. Like, it wasn't, like, this three-hour fucking marathon to watch a movie. So that was nice. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Saw, like, the first hour and a half of that movie. It's, like, two and a half hours. They include a lot of people in it, so I can kind of get behind this one being a little longer. Again, spoilers. I think everyone knows this already, though. But, like, they brought back all the old villains from, like, all the different Spider-Mans. Like, Doc Ock. They brought back Willem Dafoe to play uh the Green Goblin they had the uh, the lizard dude Jamie Foxx is in it as Electro they brought the other two Spider-Men back Toby Maguire and I can't think of the other dude right now but they must have spent a billion dollars on this movie I have no idea how much money <laughs> the the budget must have been to get this thing going but it was fun man it was a fun movie budget was 200 million dollars God, you would have thought it had been more. It did a box office of $1.8 billion somehow. Jesus Christ. So yeah, so that was a fun movie. Uh, I haven't seen it all, so got to hold back my count. Andrew Garfield was the dude's name. So yeah, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, Dania, Andrew Garfield, Marissa Tomei, William Dafoe, just Jamie Foxx, Thomas Hayden, Alfred Molina, Benedict Cumberbatch, just Absolutely, a ton of people in it. So just really, really crazy. And the last thing, the last thing here before I let you guys out, before we get out of here, been also watching *Mayor of Kingstown*. That's a uh, show on Paramount Plus. It's a uh, it's a series from Taylor Sheridan, the guy who made uh, *Yellowstone* 1883. He's also written uh, *Sicario*. He wrote one other. Hell or High Water, I think, is the name of the other movie. But this is a good show, man. It's dark. It's gritty. Like, it's heavy. Like, this isn't, like, your feel-good show to come home. From. Like, if you've had a long day at work, you are know, like, I just want to come home and throw something on the TV and have a drink and, like, just hang out. Like, nah Not this one. Like, you got to be kind of in an okay mood to watch this because, like I said, this thing's dark. Like, we're talking prisons, gangs, murder, you know, all the nasty shit in the world. But one of the reasons I like it, I think is it's stuff you don't see every day. Like again, it's not a superhero movie. It's not sci-fi. Like it's again, hopefully it's not too realistic, but like it's grounded in like a reality based thought, but yeah, it's a good show, man. Probably my favorite Jeremy Renner performance since he was in the town. I love him in the town, but like I said, good show. It's, it's different. It's not like I feel like I haven't seen this show six other times and just this is just remorphed and moved to a different part of the world. Like it's a good one. It's it's got different topics that you're not used to. I think it's very interesting. I will say this, the Paramount Plus app I have not been happy with. It's been slow and cutting out. It'll just be like we can't play this for you. So all that's been kind of bullshit. But I would suggest if you can handle something kind of kind of heavy, check out mayor Kingstown. Check out 21 Bridges for a fun popcorn movie. I want to see the rest of Spider-Man No Way Home. So, those are all things I would uh, I would say to watch. So, let's get this thing wrapped up. Closing time. Okay, everybody. Let's wrap this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for checking out another week at Old Wall's House. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys. Like I said, I know I've mentioned this in the past. Looking at some, uh, some extra shirt options, so... If you guys are interested in that, let me know. Maybe I'll I'll throw out a little uh, thing on Instagram about doing some shirts. We'll have to see. I'll be back next week. Uh, Slow sports week coming up. I think we're going to see a lot of that going forward here. We do have the draft in a couple weeks. We're going to have a couple people on to talk about that. But I think I've got something in the hopper. Next week it's going to be a little different. A little less sports related. I don't want to say too much until it's, like, done, and I I can I don't want to promise something to not deliver. But I think you'll enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. So we are going to be back next week, no doubt about that. And I think I'll have a pretty interesting thing to talk about. So, again, thank you, thank you, everybody, so much. I appreciate all you guys coming back and listening every week. Look forward to being back here next week with you guys.
1: Till then, peace!